Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 919 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, April the 5th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. Team-focused shows covering every team in the big four sports, as well as the major college programs in the NCAA. I believe Locked On Gonzaga has something to say after Jalen Suggs' huge winner on Saturday night in the March Madness Tournament to go to the final, which I believe is going down tonight. Uh, I believe Locked On Baylor is also a show that we have, so go and check out both of those shows leading into the start. Don't hold me on the Baylor thing. I think we have one, but not entirely sure. We definitely have a Zags podcast, though, so go and check it out if you're intrigued and uh, want to know more about Jalen Suggs and Canadian Andrew Nempard and all that stuff, so go and subscribe. Today's show, by the way, is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. And on today's show, it's just me diving into the Raptors' 130-77 to win over the Warriors, a franchise record 53-point margin of victory on Friday night. And I'm going to dive into my big takeaways, obviously. Uh, we're going to dive into Fred Van Vliet getting hurt, dinged up. It sounds like it's not too serious, but it's likely he's going to miss at least one game. Uh, just kind of reading the tea leaves here. So we'll talk about that and how Malachi Flynn's performance on Friday kind of makes me feel a little less bad if Fred's going to miss a game or two here. And also, I'm going to play a little bit of Nick Nurse, who spoke today uh, after Raptors practice. We'll run a little bit of that, talk a little bit about sort of the direction of the team now after that big win. You're kind of talking yourself almost as the Chicago Bulls lose a bunch of games in a row. Maybe talking yourselves in the, into the Raptors kind of climbing back up into the playoff race, which would be fun. Uh, we'll dive into that, sort of the that versus tanking conversation, which uh, I'm sure will never go away for the rest of the season, but we will get to that. And of course, we'll have our tankathon sim of the week of the day, as uh, we do every day now in this uh, hell world we live in where the Raptors are bad. Anyway, big takeaways from the Raptors win over the Warriors. I mean, number one, before I get into any player-specific stuff, this just felt like a win the Raptors needed so badly. Like, it just... The toll of March going, what was it, 1-13, and 1-12, whatever it was, the toll of that month, the, you know, missing guys from the health and safety protocols for, like, three weeks of that month, the... Just the, the the constant, like, the stress that led into the trade deadline with Kyle Lowry, Norm Powell getting dealt, just, like, a really, really tough month to endure not just for fans but I'm sure for the team probably even more so and to see them just wipe the floor with an inferior opponent like don't get me wrong the Warriors aren't any great shakes but they had just lost to a G League team on Wednesday in the Oklahoma City Thunder so it was nice to see them take care of business in a very loud way on Friday night and just 
it really seemed like the boost the team needed morale wise, feelings wise, vibes wise. Pascal looking happy after the game, smiling away, looking confident on his birthday. That was beautiful. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. seems not to lack the confidence and the, and the swag and all that shit. Um, you know, it's just a really, really nice win for the team after a very, very not nice stretch of games beforehand. And. You know, you never know. This could kind of turn the fortunes. I'm not saying they're going to go and like win 20 games in a row to close the season or anything like that, but maybe the sort of listless performances against these not very good teams kind of go by the wayside. Or you know, who knows? Like nothing makes sense this season. Every game seems like its own individual capsule and snapshot in time, and nothing seems to make sense tied one game to the next. But it just you have to think beating a team that comfortably and being so comfortable doing it probably kind of changes your outlook a little bit I would think makes you feel a little bit better about things maybe you get a little bit less down when you're losing early to the Rockets or the Thunder or some crap team like I don't know what it is it's hard to quantify it's impossible to quantify frankly but I have to imagine that winning a game by 53 points and all the good vibes that came with it will have some sort of positive impact on the way the team plays going forward here but again nothing makes sense it could not make it could, could not mean anything they could continue to lose to bad teams and this is a, the aberration but I'm going to choose to believe that this was a need they just desperately needed for the morale and vibes and all that stuff in terms of individual player performances I mean the main guys that you're going to be focusing on all year are were once again front and center in this one and I think anytime they do really exciting and impressive things it's going to I think elicit a lot of excitement you know going into next season and looking ahead Pascal Siakam OG Ananobi Gary Trent the main guys are looking at here um Gary Trent we'll quickly talk about him another great game he had the 31 on Wednesday against the Thunder 24 this time out on Friday 8 of 14 6 of 9 from 3 the three-point shot is just beautiful like an absolutely gorgeous stroke it feels at this point now after a couple rough games for him it kind of feels like it's going in every time and that's fun um you know they're kind of running him around a little bit more he's working well off ball I'm liking what I'm seeing from Gary Trent and you know, that in conjunction with OG Ananobi going 8 to 12 with 21 points, he's now averaging 18 on 50, 40. Uh, I'm not sure what the free throw percentage is, but he's at 50% and 43% from three since coming back from COVID uh, and being out of the protocols. He averaging 18 points. He looks fantastic. He's getting more responsibility offensively. He's cleaning up garbage buckets and things like that, too. He looks great. And then Pascal Siakam, one of his better games of the season, 36, 7, and 5. A very easy 36, like kind of a casual, oh my god, he already has 36 points, kind of 36 points. And just a really comfortable performance from him. You'd like to see him, you know, do that against good teams and good defenders and all that. And it's nice to see him take advantage of, a, of an easy opponent. Hopefully that can translate going forward. Um, you know, it's the thing, like, it's weird with Pascal because... He can carve up basically anyone he wants. There's like a handful of guys in the league that actually have the goods to really stay in front of him and you know make him uncomfortable, force misses, put him off balance, all that stuff. It's just it really does seem sort of like a confidence thing with him and like an in your head type of thing where you know when he realizes he's up against a team he can cook, it's just oh no, that team has no chance to guard him. And this was what happened with the Warriors on Friday night. It's just a matter of stringing those sort of games of happy, good, confident Pascal together. And maybe that comes with just, you know, removing everything from this season and going forward and kind of returning to a bit more of a normal stasis with the team where they're playing in a regular environment and things aren't so tough and mentally challenging and just constantly 
being thrown at you the way this season seems like it's kind of just been tossing new obstacles and shit at the Raptors at every single turn. And maybe that removal from that situation kind of gets Pascal back in the right headspace to do the thing every single night. But it was really nice to see in this one for sure, despite the weak opponent. And he looked really happy after the game. Seeing happy Pascal is a very nice and pleasant thing. That was beautiful. And again, Siakam, OG, Trent, like those three guys in particular are the future plans. Like they are essential to whatever is going to come next for the team. And it's really great to see them flourish. Yeah, you're going to get the the bench performances, and sometimes they're not going to be great. You're going to have Stanley Johnson going 0 of 6 for a minus 7 in a game the team won by 53 points, and he played 20 minutes in. You know, that speaks to where this roster lacks, but it does not lack in terms of guys that you can build your future plans around, and that is Trent OG Siakam, and obviously Fred Van Vliet as well, who left this game after just 19 minutes played with a hip injury, and that leads us into the next segment. We're going to dive into Fred Van Vliet, his injury, and Malachi Flynn's really nice game, probably the best game he's played so far as a pro on Friday night. We'll dive into that and what it would mean if he was to start in place of Fred Van Vliet for the next couple games here if Van Vliet's unable to go and if Kyle Lowry still is unable to return, which it seems like he's probably got five or six more days until he's back. But let's get to the Fred and, F- and Flynn conversation in just one second. First, though, let me tell you about our friends over at BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props, and almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you sign up with with the code locked on. That's betonline.ag. Code locked on. Your online sportsbook experts. All right, we'll get to Fred and Flynn here in just one second. But first, uh, just a heads up tomorrow's podcast, we'll be talking about the Wizards game. It's a busy ass week. There's games like three nights this week Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Then they play Saturday, Sunday. So lots of game recap ep- episodes this week. We'll get Big V on one of these days, Katie probably as well. And uh, I'll keep you posted on the rest of the plans for the week. Still kind of sorting it out with it being such a game heavy week, but keep an eye out out okay okay let's get to fred van vliet and malachi flynn uh not not much on fred there is uh, not a ton in terms of information nick nurse when he spoke today said that there's no damage that was shown on the mri for the hip injury he left the game with on friday night doesn't sound like it's too serious sounds like day to day i believe he's listed as doubtful for monday night i'd be surprised if they played him and i'd be surprised if they rushed anybody back honestly right now you know, there's no insane urgency. I know the team probably still wants to make a run and make the playoffs, and I would like that too. That'd be great. But I don't think there's any need to rush it because development is a big priority right now. Very clearly, they're running things through OG and Gary Trent and Pascal quite a bit. You know, we're seeing the usage for OG rise. We're seeing Trent kind of bring the ball up and sort of run some lineups himself. You know, that's the the name of the game right now is developing because things seem like they're kind of lost. And if wins come as a result of the development, then, hey, that's awesome. But the development is number one right now. And so with that in mind, maybe this leads to Malachi Flynn getting a start coming up in the next game. Maybe both games against the Wizards and Lakers Monday, Tuesday. Uh, And I'm fascinated to see how that's going to go. So Flynn, 
finally had himself a game where he shot well on Friday night, 7-12 from the field, 16 points, 5 boards, 5 assists, 2 steals, a plus 34. He was really good. It was, I think, the best we've seen him all season long. He had a pretty good game, I think, early on against the Kings, but this, to me, was clearly the best he's looked. And maybe it's not surprising, considering he looked very good in the G League and against a team of mostly G League players, he looked excellent. So maybe that tells you something about where Malachi Flynn's at and who he's best at dominating at the moment. But I did think this game really did kind of show a glimpse of what Malachi Flynn can and will be once the shots start falling. Because look, he's not going to shoot 18% from three all season long. He's not going to have a 38.2 true shooting percentage for the rest of his career. It's been a weird disjointed season for him he hasn't had a lot of consistent run as his father is sure to Facebook post about at some point again Um, but he has you know in in the moments where he's kind of gotten comfortable had some time to play you know multiple games in a row settle into his role it's been kind of nice and I think we're seeing some nice signs from him recently even with the shooting still being off I think once the shooting comes, everything else is kind of in place for Flynn to really take off once the shots start to fall, which they will at some point. He was a good shooter in college. He's a guy who could finish around the rim. There's no reason for him to have a 38.2 true shooting percentage. That's insanely, insanely, ridiculously off the charts bad. No rookie is that bad. There are a lot of really bad rookies, and no one is that, like, disastrously bad for an extended run it's just that's not what NBA players are and I just don't see that holding up with Flynn here and I think even before he went 7 to 12 on Friday we did see some positive signs in the previous games from him his defenses look really good he's jumping passing lanes he's staying in front of guys yeah there's the odd screen he'll get hung up on but for the most part he's fighting through he's doing a good job there um, the playmaking looks pretty decent you know he's got that good sort of handle in the pick and roll I think there were a couple nice sequences with Chris Boucher where they kind of found some chemistry on Friday. We've seen that a little bit over the last few games too, just kind of getting a little bit more comfortable. He was doing this thing early in the season where he really wasn't doing anything with the ball in his hands. He was basically just the middleman when they were swinging it around the perimeter. He would kind of get the ball, maybe take a couple dribbles and realize, I got nothing, I'm going to pass this off. Seemed pretty passive, seemed like he wanted to defer to Fred and Kyle, and I wonder if there's been sort of an emboldening of Flynn to sort of just say, dude, go do the stuff that you know you can do in this last little while here, because he is running more pick and roll. He is initiating more on, on offense and sort of getting possessions going as opposed to just being like a little connector. And that's great. That's been lovely. And I think once you see the shooting come around, like it's all just going to look like a much better product than like it really did against the Warriors. He's got the beautiful handle, you know, the the hezzy that he had in, I can't, it might have been the third quarter or whatever it was, where he just kind of had whatever poor Warriors defender on him on a string and, you know, kind of had him kind of on his back heel and, and ended up blowing by for a layup. It was really, really pretty. Um, there's just, there's a lot to like from what Flynn does. And I think all the stuff about him, you know, the way he operates a pick and roll, the way he kind of surveys the floor and kind of knows when to get guys that their touches and, you know, make sure everybody eats. Like that's very clear. He's got the sort of game floor manager style brain. You can see it. You can see the gears clicking. It's just a matter, I think of, getting the shots to fall, maybe tightening up the shot selection a little bit. You know, there have been some weird mid-rangers. He's really, really prone to that quick, early-in-the-clock, pull-up three around a screen, which 
If he was knocking it down, I think we'd have far less of a problem with it because that's a shot that Fred and Kyle take all the time. But he's not Fred and Kyle, and it's going to take some time to build that trust for that kind of shot for him. And I'm sure it'll come. And you know, you only learn by making mistakes, and you learn by screwing up. But you know, I think once that starts to happen, the package we've seen here pretty recently has looked pretty good. And I think a lot of the concerns about, oh, is this guy anything that I think maybe some people were starting to feel a little bit early on this season, which were kind of, or not just kind of, they were absurd. They were over the top, you know, reactionary and all that. You know, I think it's never a bad thing to remind people that this offseason was weird. The draft happened like two weeks before the season. There was no lead time. There was no summer league. There was very little preseason. Like these guys had just been thrown into the fire and some of them were great. You know, LaMelo Ball, awesome from the start. Anthony Edwards dunking on people from the start. But I think a lot of rookies, understandably, had some trouble kind of getting up to speed. And I think that's been the case and still is the case for Malachi Flynn. And it's probably going to take an entire actual summer of development and maybe some more G League seasoning next year, depending on what the roster situation is, for Flynn to really kind of, you know, be in that mold of a guy you can trust in your rotation night to night. He's getting there, and I think he's going to have to play a lot to close the season here just with the injuries that you know it seems like Fred and Kyle are kind of dealing with. And just you would figure maybe the preserving of Kyle and maybe even Fred too and making sure they're not playing 38 minutes a game in a season that might be lost. I think we'll see a lot of Flynn down the stretch here, and I was really happy to see him get 31 minutes on Friday night and do something with it and actually excel and score and not shoot one of nine or whatever he's been shooting so far. Um, So if he does have to start, you know, I think that's fine. I think you probably end up funneling a lot more through Pascal Siakam and you give a lot more agency to OG and Gary Trent to do some stuff, but I think Flynn is a totally fine fill-in starter if he needs to be and I think you know again one of the things we saw is the chemistry with Chris Boucher if they're going to start Boucher again which they did against the Warriors and I think that's the better move than starting Baines then I think there's you know some some interesting stuff to work with there as you look ahead to what does the Raptors bench look like next season is Malachi Flynn Chris Boucher and that pick and roll one of the sort of hallmarks of that bench unit you know There's all these different things you can plan for and sort of visualize going forward to next season, and this part of the season is super helpful for that, and it could end up being that Malachi Flynn getting a couple spot spot starts here, um, you know, kind of helps to realize that vision a little bit more. As far as who plays backup point guard if Flynn's out, uh, boy, that could get dark. (laughs) It's going to be a lot of Pascal, I think. They're going to have to stagger them a little bit. I think we'll see DeAndre Bembry, even though we know that's not really his bag. And Nick Nurse actually talked about that in his uh, practice presser, which we'll get to in the final segment here in just a second, uh, and how Bembry just doesn't like to be the main guy, which I think that's fair. He's much better as a fifth guy than he is as a number one or two. The backup position will be a problem, but you know, the, I'm sure they'll weather it and they'll just play Flynn a lot of minutes if that's the case, if he's the only part point guard they have available. Um, you know, it, it's a bummer that Jalen Harris isn't around to maybe get him some run. It's a bummer that even Patrick McCaw still continues to be out because he could play like a spot point guard like he did last year. But it'll be on Flynn, and I'm excited to see it. Uh, again, development's the name of the game here as the season comes to an end in the last 22 games. Whatever the results are, development, I think, needs to be the number one priority. And Flynn getting some run and hopefully continuing uh, to build upon the nice shooting night he had on Friday is uh, is a good thing in my books. All right, we're going to get to Nick Nurse, his presser from Sunday's practice, and a couple other notes just sort of on the direction of the team and the tank versus don't tank sort of crowd and the 
the feelings that continue to kind of split Raptors internet. <laughs> We're, we'll get to that in a little bit. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bar in the world. Congratulations, by the way, to Coconut Brownie Chunk, who won the Built Bar Madness Bracket. I think a very uh, fair winner. It's a really freaking good bar. You should get some Coconut Brownie Chunk. They also have 18 amazing flavors in their regular lineup that you are going to love. They've got Lemon Almond Cheesecake, one of my faves, Apple Almond Crisp, Mint Brownie, Banana Bread, Toffee Almond, some of the absolute faves on my list. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they're great for the health-conscious person. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for keto diets as well. For example, Cookies and Cream, which went very far in the tournament, I believe, to the semifinals. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. That's pretty freaking good, and it tastes delicious. And right now, when you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, you're going to get 15% off your next order. That is the code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by RockAuto.com, our very favorite family business serving auto parts customers online. For 20 years, go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver. Got everything you need and a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. They're catalog is so easy to use you just go to the website you type in the year make model of your car and then you find the parts that you need they got it all segmented and categorized and they have multiple options for you with different prices and reviews and companies who manufacture them and all that stuff it is wonderful and you're always going to find yourself a great deal prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers so why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on. And there, how did you hear about us, Box? To know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. All right, let's round out today's episode by listening in to Nick Nurse, who spoke at practice yesterday or today. Uh, you're hearing this on Monday, but I'm recording this Sunday afternoon. Uh, listen in to Nick Nurse talking about the uh, tanking question. They always love to hear that. Uh, let's listen in to Nick Nurse talking from practice on Sunday. Want to ask you a different one. Um, anytime a team kind of gets to where you guys are in the standings, everybody, a lot of the, a lot of the world starts talking about tanking. I'm just wondering what your opinion is, or do you have an opinion on that topic? Tanking. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like talking about it. I don't like thinking about it. I don't like that it goes on. Is it insulting when you hear that term used with reference to your team? Uh, no, I think it's like you mentioned in the preface of your question. It's it's reality, right? It's the reality of it. But we're still playing to win, Mike, and we're still playing to make the playoffs, and we're still playing to get better. All right. Appreciate that. Thanks, Nick. You're welcome. We'll go to Doug. Hey, Nick, how are you, sir? I'm good, Doug. How are you? Nice and sunny up there today, huh? Gorgeous day today. Nice to go sit in a patio, except the stupid government won't let us. Whoa. Um, Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, Doug. After the departure of Norm, who was probably your one of your better players at getting to the rim and finishing, have you had to tweak the offense a little bit so that those opportunities shift to maybe OG and Gary doesn't have quite the same skill as Norm did in that area of the game? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's um, 
tweaking the offense. I think it's opportunity shifts a little bit. I think there's some more chances for OG to drive. We certainly want Pascal to to get um, kind of back to doing that again. He's done that a little bit better the last couple games. Um, I think we're we're in the development stages with Gary of trying to show him where those opportunities are and and get him you know going straight downhill as well. But no, not nothing, nothing to the like changing of the offense. It's just maybe changing who does it and then continue to coach other guys to do it. With Gary, he probably hasn't had it. They haven't needed him to do it in other in Portland. Um, you guys could use him to be a driver and get in there and drive and kick. Does he have that skill? Have you seen it in practice that, that maybe we haven't seen any game? I think the footwork's there, uh, Doug. I think the footwork's there. He and the um, the read is there. I think he's blown in there a couple times off. You know, like we say, playing on the catch, yeah. or playing before the catch. You know, you're already knowing it's a downhill drive. Um, again, I think a big part of it is is just reps and experience. You start seeing that you can get all the way to the basket, or you can't. Right. So it's a it's a hard layup, contact layup, play through the hit layup or kick out, depending on what you see once you get there. Hey, thanks very much, Doug. Appreciate it as always. Thanks, Doug. Enjoy the sunshine. I plan to. <laughs> we'll go to Steven. Hey, Nick. Uh, I'm just curious. Did, did you did you watch last night's Gonzaga-UCLA game? And, and if so, like, what, what are your thoughts on, on that game? I did not watch it. I did not. I did, I did um, start listening to it on the radio. I was watching uh, – the Wizards play last night, and then I watched um, – I was going back and forth between two or three other NBA games that I was watching. But I, once I saw it was real interesting, I, list, I switched that to the radio and turned my uh, volume down on my video that I was watching just to kind of continue to work, but to stay in the current moment, I guess, of, of what was happening in the world of basketball. Um, when, when, oh, when Nemhard, I heard Nemhard hit a big three, huh? Yeah, yeah, he he, he like a he like a like a step back three to put him up five with like, yeah. like a minute or so to, yeah. to go there. Um, like, like when when you when you're listening to it, to like, where, did you catch like the like Adam Morrison's call, like the the, the Gonzaga call, where they're going going insane about it? I don't know what what I was listening to, to be honest with you. Seem I, I seem like I was listening to PJ Carlissimo. Was he working for ESPN? Maybe. Okay. Sort of like I was listening to. Um, in, in regards to your actual team here, uh, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Pascal. Like like does like 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 uh, the last game he he obviously played very well. He looked he looked fantastic. Is he is, does he look like he's more back to the player that 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 he he once was like before? Yeah, the, I don't know, Stephen. I, I just I think that it's probably time for us to stop talking about that. It really is. He played great the other night, exactly how we want him to play. We just want him to improve from there. And I'm, I'm it's, it's, it's been a long time since that has passed. And let's just, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to move on from answering. Does he look like he used to look from now on? I thought he looked really good the other night. I think he's, his energy looks good. His um, body language looks good. Uh, played both ends. He rebounded. Looked like a good, good basketball player the other night. 
So there's Nick Nurse with a few updates on the team from practice on Sunday ahead of their back-to-back against the Wizards and the Lakers tonight and Tuesday. Uh, Just a couple notes. I guess the main thing that comes out there is Nurse's sort of response to the tanking question from our pal Mike Ganter. Um, You know, I'm not surprised that he would say he doesn't like it and that he doesn't doesn't believe in it. Uh, And I'm very much in agreement. I think tanking is bad and dumb and stupid and you shouldn't do it. Um, and I'm finding myself, you know, every time the Raptors win one of these games, now that they're like 10 games below 500, I'm finding myself like roped back in. And I'm not sure if I'm the only one. I'm sure other people feel this as well. Whenever they play a game where they win by 53 points, for example, you can very easily squint and see, oh yeah, no, this team is still good. This team has a positive point differential, which they got back above last night at 19 and 30, a positive point differential. Absolutely bananas. And again, suggest that this is a good team or a good-ish team that has been afflicted by awful circumstance more than anything else this year. And you really can squint. It doesn't take a lot of squinting to see a team that could rattle off a seven out of nine run or something like that to kind of get back in the playoff mix, especially considering the Chicago Bulls since acquiring Nikola Vucevic have not been exactly letting the world on fire. I believe they beat the Nets today. So congrats to them. And they beat the Nets playing Lowry Markinen at the four, sorry, at the three, which is hilarious because it's like the ultimate Andrea Bargnanification of Larry Markinen as he uh, has the same rebounding, three-point shooting, and scoring totals basically to the exact number, <laughs> like per 36s and all that stuff. The advanced metrics kind of paint them as the same player, and now he's finally played some small forward next to Daniel Tice and Nikola Vucevic, much like Bargs played next to Jermaine O'Neal and Chris Bosh. Uh, beautiful stuff. Love the symmetry. Uh, but yeah, I, I think with the way the Bulls have played... They had lost five in a row before winning today with the way the Pacers are really sliding as well. The way the Celtics actually also stink. It really is not that hard to envision a Raptors run where they climb back up to 10th, 9th, even 8th, maybe even 7th, considering the Knicks are in 7th. And yes, the Knicks keep on winning, but they're also the Knicks and you kind of expect it to fall off a cliff at any time here. It really is not that inconceivable. Even with the injuries, even if Fred or Kyle is out for a longer time here, there's enough on this roster, especially with a bit of a soft part of the schedule coming up here before a pretty difficult finish. You know, I I keep talking myself into this team going on a run, and I'm probably going to be doing it in 2035, looking back on this season and saying, if only they had gotten healthy, they still had a run in them. But, like, that's going to be the case because there are still too many flashes of this team being legitimately good to think that it's just not going to come out at some point here and that they're not going to sort of regress back to the mean heavily at some point. And it could just not happen because of all the circumstances and because they keep playing terribly against bad teams and all of this stuff. But, they look pretty good, and they have looked pretty good for long stretches of a lot of these games. Even the ones they lose, you know, think about the Jazz game, the Suns, the Blazers, you know, that Denver game where they absolutely pasted the Nuggets. Like, there's a good team lying in here in wait, and I'm kind of at the point now. Like, I've said it, you know, if the Raptors lose a bunch of games here and they don't end up, you know, moving up in the in the standings and they finish with the 5th, 6th, or 7th best lottery odds, then I'm accepting of that, and that's fine. And I'm okay with that, and I look forward to what the pick will be. I'm not going to be all that upset about it. But I'm certainly not going to root for them to lose games, and I think Friday is a good example of why. You know, when they win games, especially in such dramatic fashion – or I guess not dramatic, emphatic. It was not really much drama to it at all. It was just a very loud, huge victory. 
when you do that, when you hold a 60-point lead, when you do win a game like that, like there is a tangible boost to the overall tenor and tone of the team, and that is good. That is an objectively good thing. You want the guys to not be down to the dumps going through a miserable season. That's a really bad thing to wish upon a team that you like uh, or any people who you don't even like or don't even know. Like wishing ill is bad. Um, And so I'm still going to hope for them to win games. And if they do win games here and kind of, you know, quote unquote, sewer their lottery odds, I don't think I'm going to be too upset about it. I'm just sort of in a very... Hakuna Matata mode, once again, as I've kind of talked about here, whatever happens, happens. And if they end up with the 10th best lottery odds and they lose a play-in or whatever and they end up picking 10th or 11th, I think there's still a good player to be had there. And you still have a lot to build with going forward. Do you get the main guy at the top of the draft? No, but guess what? You have a 7% chance of that at best. So, uh, or like maybe you get a little bit higher if you get to like fifth or sixth in the odds, but that's not going to be easy because the teams below the Raptors in the standings are also very bad and they're not winning games at a particularly prolific rate. Maybe the Wizards are the one team that could catch up, but the Magic stink, the Cavs stink, the Pistons stink, the Wolves stink, the Rockets stink. Like you're not passing a lot of these teams. And I just, I can't bring myself to root for games, root for them to lose games in order to boost the lottery odds by a percentage point or two here. Like, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. If it's not, whatever. Like, there's still a lot to like about what this team has cooking going forward from trade possibilities and flexibility to what they could do with cap space to just bringing back Lowry and running the whole thing back and seeing what they can do next year. There's plenty of positive outcomes here. And I am... Very much okay if they want to go on a run here and have some fun basketball to close, which, again, still feels like it's entirely possible. With that said, though, we should wrap this thing up with our annual, with our daily, sorry, I keep saying annual, it's not annual, it's every day, our daily tankathon simulation of the day, just to see how the lottery gods are thinking about treating us uh, <laughs> and treating everyone in the draft lottery this year. Uh so if you're unfamiliar, we've done this now for about a week. We'll do a Tankathon sim at tankathon.com at the end of every episode and keep track of where the Raptors are. So far, we've done three of them. Didn't do one on Friday after the at the end of the Norm episode just because that one ran long. But so far in the three attempts, the Raptors have picked eighth in each of them and fallen from seventh down to eight in all three. Let's see if we can change up the juju here. And the Tankathon sim of the day goes now. And... Oh, they've stayed the same. The They did not fall at all. Minnesota stays number one. Cleveland jumps up to two. Houston drops down to three. The Raptors stay at number seven, which isn't so bad. As we talked about last week, go listen to the episode with Robel where we talked about the top of the draft. At number seven, maybe you're getting yourself a Jaden Springer, a Keon Johnson, a Jalen Johnson. Um, maybe a Kaminga or a Green falls down to seven. Who knows? But not the worst place to be. And again, kind of why I'm pretty okay with wherever the Raptors end up. It seems as though the 7 through 14 part of this draft is going to be quite nice, and if they get above 14, that means they're in the playoffs, and they've probably beaten like the Celtics in a play-in, which is hilarious and fun, so I'm not going to complain about that either. Um, All right, that's it. 7th, there we go. They stay where they're supposed to be in the lottery odds. This is the first time they've not fallen to 8th. I'm going to consider that progress on this silly little simulation we'll do at the end of all of our episodes until the draft lottery on June the 22nd. Anyway, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I'll be back again tomorrow, likely with Big V. 
to talk about the game against the Wizards. We'll have a Lakers recap on Wednesday as well. Lots of games, hot and heavy this week, and I uh, appreciate you listening. appreciate your support as always. Please go subscribe to, rate, and review. If you did not listen because it came out on Friday, on Good Friday, you might have been off, maybe didn't have to work, no commute, whatever, uh, please consider checking out the Norman Powell episode with Kelsey O'Brien, Katie Heindel, Blake Murphy, Vivek Jacob, Ashley Docking, and Yasmin Dewalla, where we talked about all of our favorite Norman Powell moments from his time at the Raptors. Really nice episode, and I think it kind of got missed by some people just because it was Friday and it was a holiday and all that stuff. So go back and listen. It'd be much appreciated if you went and tuned in, went a lot of, did a lot of work to put into that one, and it was really fun. I like the final product, so go and listen. Thank you. We'll talk to you again Tuesday. Have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye.